Welcome back. This is Captain Fred. This is the Fifth Dimension on Republic Broadcasting, and we're uh, speaking with David in San Francisco. I have Lynn in Maryland. David, um, can you hold? Let's let's bring in Lynn on this and see what she has to say about this. the the to- The topic that I brought up today was how back in the '60s, people were still pointing to this secret government. Uh, the uh, Council on Foreign Relations that was pulling that was pulling the strings behind the government. Lynn, what have you got to add to this? Uh, thank you, Captain Fred, and thank you, Dave. I actually think Dave should be a history instructor. I'd He's love good. to take the class, and I don't want to He's interrupt good. that conversation. If y'all want to keep on, um, well, I actually I'd like to I think, think there that is you can a add. secret. There's a lot of secrecy. Actually, when Betsy DeVos was brought up, I thought of a couple things. Um, one is her, her brother, Eric Prince, and then that leads me to think about Las Vegas. Um, and that shooting, because he'd been hanging around the White House all week, for all weeks, he wanted that contract to go into Afghanistan, and he didn't get it from President Trump. And then there was that shooting. Um, but remember... Betsy DeVos is one of the founding um, members of the Council for National Policy, and they are now so powerful. They are who put Donald Trump in the White House. They are the white Christian evangelicals. They have infiltrated every church. I mean, they started back in the 70s, I think. You know, like think of um, what's his name down there at Liberty, the father um, and the moral majority. Um, well, uh, or know, minority uh, or whatever they were called. Um, but that's kind of how it started. And then the university that wanted to keep its tax status. And But but there's so much money there and now so much power. And every Christian ministry is involved. And the money yeah. is just phenomenal. But I wanted to ask you something, Fred. The title yeah. of your father's book and the year it was published... The title of the book is The Rise and Fall of the United States. It was published by a group that was called the National Voters Quorum. And it was it was printed in 1974, I believe, or 1975. And it was compiled over about three years before that, too. It was, I think, close to 27 different authors that were in it. And what he had planned on doing was putting together a, a, a quorum of people interested in in lobbying our own country for uh, reinstating the government that had been pretty much hijacked in 1933. That was what uh, this this article I was reading out of it was by Mary Davidson, and her uh, I, her statement that I was reading from was called The Profound Revolution. And I think that what she really brought out was that the the government that uh, we think we have has to be maintained for this secret government to exist. I mean, they actually pull the strings on it with the media, with money, with however they do it. But the reality of it is, is, is voting for it, and and they have very little control over its or over, over what happens in this world. 
So I, I don't know. His book was uh, mysteriously bought and disappeared. There's probably very few copies of it left. I have a, a copy that I've, I've read from, and I've, I've debated publishing it. A lot of it is um, it's useful information. Most all of it is available in other forms. Um, I, I would it, like. I would. I was wondering if you were considering republishing it. I, I wouldn't I, mind talking to you about that privately sometime. Um, and also, I had a question: when, when um, the Fed gives us more money, you know, not money, but okay, um, and, and everybody should stop doing everything, anything, with money electronically. I mean, write a check. Pay with cash. Um, maybe use a credit card occasionally, but don't use your phone. And do not ever allow them to say, "Oh, we're just going to send you an electronic statement and bills." No, no. That is how we are being enslaved. I can't get the bank to send me a statement, and I got offline in 2017. It is Satan's litter box. I can tell you, the internet. And all this wireless stuff, <laughs> it is our electronic dog collar, and they're going to put on the leash any moment now. <laughs> but when it comes to the Fed and money, don't they also make a percentage of every dollar that we then get from them on top of all the interest? And think of the interest rates going up. Woohoo! Who's making money there? It's only costing us. But the other thing is, like when um, Dave was talking about um, Bangladesh, think about the people that, and actually Cambridge Analytica, you know, um, actually manipulated these people with, you know, Facebook and their phones. They don't even read the mail or watch TV. It was they open their phone and they've got Facebook and they had sides pitted against each other. And so all these people were run off to, Bang to um, like, the area uh, that was in Myanmar. And they were run off to Bangladesh that survived. And there's famine all over this world right now. Food insecurity everywhere. We're just kind of blind to it because it hadn't hit us yet. But, you know, the Middle East, Lebanon, Africa, you know, you name it, it's there. Haiti. There, I mean, they got gangs stopping fuel ships. And so there's no food. You know, and then if you think uh -huh. of these other nations, like we don't have hardly any people in this country except for, you know, all these folks coming through the border. I mean, now we have more. But most countries have all these millions of people, and they're all young. Think of that Lynn, many men under 30. It's not going to be the good. Pe the, kids, the kids nowadays don't have the same situation that we had, they have a, a whole different set of values that, that we grew up with. And I think a lot of the values that we grew up with were were implanted values by the media. If you look back at some of the old television shows, uh, they show uh, people that are justified doing some things because it was the right thing to do. And I think nowadays... Uh, Folks are being confused by media. David brought up some really good points. David, are you still holding? Oh, yeah, I'm here. David, uh, these speculators, these um, developers that go into distressed areas, it isn't limited to to economical uh, 
uh, depressions. That I mean, they create the depressions, they create the dilemmas, and then when people panic, they reap the benefit of it. I've always uh, heard the expression that in the in the stock market, panic is profitable. And to be honest, during uh, when when COVID first hit the market, I guess you might call it that, when COVID first came out on the media, uh, it caused everybody to to um, to start thinking that it was into the world. And and I I don't know. I've been through this a few times, and I realized that it was an opportunity. And I actually bought property and did some things during that period. I I built a place, and I, it's diff, it was difficult to find people that were willing to work. But it's like the speculators and the gougers. Uh, two years ago, a uh, two-before stud sold for about $11. <laughs> a friend of mine told me the uh, just this morning that a two-before stud is back down to $3.65. I don't know how you feel about it, but if there really were shortages and, and issues, then these things would continue to be. They wouldn't be um, – the, the shortages wouldn't be created like that. It's like the price of oil right now. Uh, the price of oil or for gas here in Colorado is about what it was two years ago. Well, um, I, I, there are a whole lot of different questions you raised there. Um, in the bigger picture, um, I was going to raise uh, – I, I, I come from a family. One of my great-great-great-grandfathers was a signer of the Declaration of Independence. That was John Hart of New Jersey. And we were always raised to understand that the aristocrats uh, never stopped attacking America with their trickery. And the trickery that they've used is uh, – if you've, you know, you've heard of the media called the Fourth Estate – uh, the first three estates were the king, the military, and the church, and that they each had uh, propaganda techniques, they each had uh, a kind of power plays that they used. So inflation would be one of the uh, uh, financial uh, uh, techniques that the king used. Uh, the military just pretty much uses belligerence, and the church uses superstition. And most people uh, will fall for various versions of it, and they never notice that there are three different games going on at the same time. Uh, the, the money is, is doubled down on with the superstition, which is doubled down on with the belligerence, and, uh, you know, strong-arm tactics. And so uh, humans, if we want to ever get uh, true freedom, We've got to learn how to recognize these con games and uh, and go for what's real instead of you know the hokey doke of uh, uh, or the okey doke of of uh, you know hyperinflation. Uh, for example, money is supposed to represent your reputation, but uh, you know you take some rich guy who's born with a million dollars. You know he has no reputation to to start with, and all of a sudden everybody uh, gives him uh, credence because he has a big pile of numbers, but he may be as dumb as a rock, and in fact, if you look through history, there are a whole bunch of very wealthy people that are dumb as rocks. 
uh, I was reading a book about the Vanderbilts, and they had a kid, uh, and he had been brought up with Nanny his whole life in uh, the Vanderbilt estate in upstate New York, and he was finally brought to uh, New York City to, to see what his father did at work, and he's standing on a train platform waiting for the train, and all of these other citizens show up on the platform to catch that same train, and this kid goes, Father, who are these people? And it, it's like these rich kids were raised totally a, a, unaware that other lives mattered uh, or even existed. And uh, whether it's bigotry or whether it's just strong arm, like I say, the, the okey-doke of money, clothes, and superstition, uh, money, militarism, and superstition, uh, I usually put clothes in there because uh, a uniform is what people dance to. Uh, you know, you put some epaulets on and a couple of stars or whatever, and everybody will salute. And uh, yeah, and, thank you for your service. Yeah, and it and it's like humans have gone through centuries and centuries and centuries of dancing to these fake games that uh, the aristocrats, the military, and the and the church have have uh, forced us into. And you can see things like when Jesus is fighting the uh, uh, merchants in the temple. That's the mixture of the money and the superstition. Uh, uh, ancient Rome, you know, where they had the centurions uh, 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 doing the will of, of whatever the, the king is uh, or the, the Caesar is demanding of them. And, uh, you know, so there's quite often a mixture of the two or three. It, usually all three don't uh, uh, create the same game because they're actually trying to power play each other. And you can see that nowadays where the theocracy is trying to, if the money's not going to make it, uh, the theocrats, the holier-than-thou crowd, are going to tell us what to do. And um, so it's, uh, you know, we the people have got to, that's why a good education is, is very important. Uh, I, I support public schools. I was raised in public schools, went to junior college, uh, went to uh, community colleges, uh, and, you know, I stayed out of the Harvard crowd because quite often those people are, you know, they, they dance to whatever the tune of, of somebody, uh, somebody in charge tells them. They're, they're quite often caught on the lure of, uh, well, I'm going to get a fat job if I just dance to whatever they say. And, uh, you know... Well, the, uh, the difference between the elite and the citizens, and that's what the division is now, David, the difference is, is, the, is the ability to think and reason. The, right. it, seems, it seems like the educated masses of the United States can only think and reason within their envelope of education. And they're not willing, nowadays, especially most most of the progressives, or whatever you want to call them, are unwilling to, to listen to reason, but they're more engaged in feelings than they are in reality. Uh, well, I, you know, it depends on the... I, 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 there are various ways of looking at that. If you uh, have you ever heard of Sinclair Broadcasting? Yeah. Yeah. yeah apparently, I, I, they, 
Yeah, they're they're this huge corporation that owns, as I understand it, they have three quarters of modern television in America, of all of the uh, the television stations in America. Three quarters of them are owned by one corporation. And every once in a while, you can see like a YouTube video of they all are reading from the same report. Uh, you know, whatever news clip it is, uh, they're, they're all reading from the same script. And, you know, they sometimes these YouTube things come up and the, you'll see one newscaster sitting there reading a the thing and then they'll double the screen to two of them saying it and then four of them and eight of them. And, and they're all reading from the exact same script. And so, you know, you don't know, uh, you know, the average person definitely needs to have a mind of their own to know yeah. whether or not they're, they're BSing us away from science and facts and just creating a propaganda report. Well, the Sinclair Broadcast Company is the second largest television station operator in the United States by number of stations. <laughs> it's second What's only to one? Next Star Media Group. Uh, Fred, this is Lynn. Um, yeah, Lynn, go ahead. Could I say I'm something? Sorry. You we, all we... could probably find this. It was in the Washington Post, and it was probably three or four years ago in the business section. I didn't save it. It was the most phenomenal article about a study that had been done over over a 20-year period in Italy that had to do with a lowbrow TV station, and it and they were able to collect all the data on, like, towns that watched it, homes that watched it, and they couldn't see the effects that that had on people over a 20-year period, so, like, a whole generation, and how it affected the way they thought and the way they voted and their political beliefs and their, you know, aspirations in life, and just think, who did Italy just vote in? The woman who seemed nice changed her rhetoric, looks great, pro-family, when she was a Mussolini lover. She's a communist. Okay, but that's not what I heard a preacher just a couple weeks ago say, oh, she's so wonderful, she's pro-family, and, and all of this, and forget all the rhetoric that she had spouted in the years before. And then you think of Marie Le Pen the same way. You put women up there in the front that look good, we can forget about what they said in the past, and they don't look like Hitler or Mussolini. They look like, you know, this nice, attractive woman who now has good rhetoric. And well, that's why a lot of, of these the... autocrats, people are voting them in. And they're well, not. And in 2009, I worked at a college. In 2009, every instructor, the first day of the fall semester, came in to my office complaining that their students weren't ready for college. They couldn't read. They couldn't reason. They couldn't do math. And that's a frightening thought if you think about it. And smartphones at that point had only been around for a little over a year. Well, I was going to raise, uh, you know, similar to right now, uh, I, I before the top of the hour, I raised the issue of the uh, uh, social contract, where we were able to get rid of the king by just proving that the guy was just a, a liar, that God didn't put him in charge of our lives, 
that he was just hogging all the tax dollars and having a party with it. And so the people were able to figure out, we can run our own lives, uh, thank you, we don't need a stinking king. Now, uh, about a hundred years ago, there was uh, a famous king of Belgium, King Leopold, and King Leopold uh, conquered what's now called Zaire. It was called the Belgian Congo back then, and he mm-hmm. called it his private estate. And even though it had, I think it started with 30 million people in it who were living in luxury in the jungle. You know, they had these villages, just prosperous villages, and he found he he called it his private estate. The laws of Belgium did not apply to the Belgian Congo. And then he just started uh, uh, killing people if they didn't produce gold, killing people if they didn't work for him. And uh, if you ever see the, um, the movie Apocalypse Now, that was taken uh, off of a book called, um, uh, it was a Joseph Conrad book, uh, Heart of Darkness, and where King Leopold basically got rid of the social contract by saying that the people on his private estate didn't have uh, laws or justice because they were his property. It was one of the worst examples of slavery, uh, uh, where they didn't have any uh, justice, they were just used, and it's said that he actually killed uh, about half of the population by the time he was run out of there. Uh, Mark Twain wrote a famous book about him, uh, King Leopold's Soliloquy. But uh, you mentioned uh, Mussolini there. This was just before Mussolini wrote his treatise on uh, the corporate state. And he basically, Mussolini was jealous of of King Leopold. And he wrote this idea that uh, the corporate state uh, could do the same thing uh, to the citizens, and um, and basically use them as as animals and as tools and and just disposable, uh, and that uh, the social contract didn't even uh, begin to apply to to citizenry anymore. And so, when you start looking at oligarchs uh, it, in Russia specifically, at the end of the Soviet Union, uh, their ruble was worth nothing. And the rich of the world just moved in on the Soviet Union and just bought up everything. They bought up all the factories, the farms, the highways, the bridges. They bought everything and, uh, and at pennies on the dollar or less than pennies on the dollar. And, uh, and so now these fat cats basically have carved up Russia. Uh, the average citizen has to obey basically what numbers they're told. Uh, you know, for the value of the ruple. And, uh, Fred, you were talking about the the Federal Reserve there. I actually was uh, pushing an idea on some of the talk shows uh, that, uh, if you remember, John F. Kennedy got tired of the Federal Reserve, too, and he started issuing Treasury notes. And with the Federal Reserve, apparently we've got to dance to the tune of whatever interest rate they set. But treasury notes, we're just lending the money to ourselves. Uh, we're investing in ourselves. And, Kennedy, you know, uh, didn't Kennedy issue an executive order to do that? It was, uh, I believe. Well, yeah, you can, you can still find bill collectors, uh, you know, the coin collectors, uh, people that have got treasury notes. Uh, 
Uh, he had ones, twos, fives, and I'm not sure if he got up as high as 20s, but he, there, I think there were probably also 10s, but they were smaller denomination bills. But since the average person used uh, small bills back then, if you knew, like in the early 60s, you could rent a whole house for 50 bucks. Uh, and so the idea of being able to, uh, uh, you know, use small bills of five was worth quite a bit of money. It's not like, you know, $6,000 for a studio apartment out here in San Francisco. So uh, the, the idea of treasury notes now, I was thinking of this way that we could end that Ukrainian war by just taking drones and putting, filling them up with treasury notes and then taking them over a battlefield in Russia or in the Ukraine, and then just dropping one-dollar bills, uh, treasury notes, <laughs> not not federal, you know. And if you remember the the value of a of a, a, a ruble has been worse than a penny. Uh, I think it was like a two-thirds of a penny, and so uh, a one-dollar U.S. treasury note would be basically a, a hundred-dollar bill for them. And, uh, and and imagine what would happen in a battle scene when you see money falling from the sky. Both sides would be rushing out there to grab it, and uh, and it would totally change the economy where the, the Russian troops would all of a sudden have some cash money so they could get the hell out of there and, you know, anywhere but Russia. And the Ukrainians would be able to, you know, save their uh, topsoil by not having these... Uh, uh, fools polluting the hell out of it, and uh, but at the same time, the uh, the Russian ruble would basically fall apart worse because the value of a U.S. Treasury note would be worth far in excess of uh, what anything that they could buy, and you could fill up a drone with you know ten thousand dollars. <laughs> And, and well, I think we're coming close to a break, Dave. You know, filling up a drone and dropping out dollars is, sounds like a great idea. I think there's been a, a lot of uh, episodes of uh, of different kinds of uh, sitcoms that have dropped money out to see the confusion or to or to um, cover an escape of somebody. But well, just to, I'll, I'll wrap up with with imagine the market forces of a U.S. Treasury note versus a U.S. Federal Reserve note, that all of a sudden one would have a kind of a whole patriotic value versus the Treasury note would all of a sudden be looked at with disparage. And uh, so it, it uh, you know, it, it's the idea that we the people can create our own money and that we don't need no stinking bankers to tell us how much it's worth. Well, a lot of people feel like that's what got Kennedy killed. They also exactly. believe yeah. that's what got Gaddafi killed because he was... Right gold back in his uh, North American bank, I mean North African bank. Uh, anybody that that uh, goes against the money printers, the money lenders, has a tendency to get Kennedy or whatever you want to call it, Gaddafi. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Elon Musk is trying to pull out of um, um, providing um, that link thing, the satellite thing, to the Ukrainians. Oh, really? So yeah. that's that can be a real problem if that happens. I mean, one he, he's tried to say that he he was just giving that out of the goodness of his heart, but that's not true. The government's been paying for it, but he wants to pull out, and he's pretty much siding with Russia at this point. 
It's frightening. Yeah, it's sad. It, it's sad. Hey, I've got somebody that's been trying to call me. I need to get on to that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. have a good D- week. Uh, David, yeah, check out, thank you so much. Sure. Making of the President, 1972. It's a great book, and it, just check in the index under gold, and it'll give you a whole lot of interesting information. Well, you know, uh, I did a show a few weeks ago about Phyllis Shafley that that uh, talked about the making of presidents back in the election of 1964. So it's something that's been uh, discussed quite a bit. So, David, we'll look at these issues again real soon. Um, but Lynn, I'll I'm call sorry. you another week. All right. Well, thanks for calling, David. We'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Lynn. Nice to meet you, Fred, and thank you, David, and thank you, Captain Fred. Yeah, Lynn, thank you for calling. I'm going to, uh, I don't know if we're going to take a break or not, Sam. Uh, it seems like we might have missed this break last week, too. Um, I think we've got another caller. Uh, Laura in Michigan? Well, maybe we do have a break. Ben. Uh Hey, listen, we're going to have to take this break. (laughs) We'll be back in a few minutes. Laura, Michigan, we'll be back. We've got Mike in Kentucky and Murray in Wisconsin. Be back. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news. Real talk. Real people. Because you can handle the truth. Tune in Saturday mornings, 8 to 10 Central, to the Alternative Media with your host, Farron. If you've not been listening, this is some of what you've been missing. 2,000 mules, like you like you like to say occasionally, Farron, in your face. They, they, they might have a, a set of lactating mammaries available that could provide milk for their adopted children. Listen, news media, all pulling off this gigantic fraud. Rhino, neocon, cucks. There's this wonderful thing that's called Vote With Defeat. Moved to California. I am a conspiracy factualist, and everyone else is a reality theorist. Hundreds, if not thousands, of ships came out of nowhere. Give me liberty or let's give you death. Any excuse to go in and kill yourself for this 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 fraud of a government. This goes back a hundred years. When they come for your gold, give them a lead. And when they come for your guns, give them the bullets first. And God help us all. Extendivite really works. Here's just a few testimonials from Amazon. RL, five stars. Been taking this for two months now. I feel better. Have more energy. April, my husband started taking Extendivite and he said he feels much better and has more energy. EW, need to try. Everyone needs this for their health. Great product, great people. Josie, it works great. This product has made my blood pressure and cholesterol stable. I highly recommend it. JC, great product, has worked well these last few years. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Extendivite. My name is John. I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, 
And uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee that's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. last half hour of the fifth dimension show and i was reading earlier from uh uh uh, some parts of my father's book it was a publication from a uh, a lady named mary davison who had written um an interesting article that was uh called a right to uh, appeal to the left and and she was hoping that that the right and left could find common ground but she said that uh it's it's important for for people to realize that the voters have nothing to do with the selection of candidates for presidency, and that the presidency has turned into the um, political corporation's cash cow. The when they get into the presidency, everybody profits in that. So with that, I, uh, Laura in Michigan, I'm sorry, you got cut off right as we just started taking. I think Lynn is, is still on the line, too. So we're going to bring in a couple more people. We may get a little bit more yeah, spirit. That's what I thought we were going to do, a round table. Round table, table here for the last half hour. Well, Laura, what do yeah. you got to add to this? Do you think that... Well, I was going to tell think, Dave that he's wrong. He, he said that Putin was after the topsoil of Ukraine. It's not, not Putin that's trying to get it. It's Israel. Israel wants it. They can't grow crops. It's not Putin. He's really down on Putin, and he's wrong. I just wanted to let him know about that. I didn't get a chance well, to. Well, Laura, you know, one thing that David said was we pointed out how the uh, speculators and the developers came into distressed areas and bought things up for pennies on the dollar. And that's exactly what they do. They create a war zone, they depress it, and then they buy up as much as they can. It happened at Katrina. It happened in Texas. It happens everywhere. And that's how they control things is by the manipulation of uh, of the reaction. FEMA, FEMA doesn't really help people recover. FEMA helps people no, survive. No. But, yeah, also, that's just I, what I heard I that. About that. The Black Lives Matter, those areas that they burned down, those are economic uh, groupings that got lower taxes that people could come in there and, and speculate there and buy up, and they would get the, the tax rates from that. 
It's happening everywhere. You got to remember that in the last two years, 30% of small businesses in the United States went away. And what happened to their properties? What happened to their accumulation of wealth? It's gone. And now, uh, let's see, the president's, and I'm not going to say which one or which ones, the president's printed $7 trillion and gave it to the bankers to loan back to the people they put out of business. So it's kind of fixed. But let's, Laura, hold on. Let's bring on Mike in Kentucky to add to this. Mike, you're always welcome with what you believe. Let's see, let's hear what you've got to say. <laughs> the big burst of static cut off what you said, Mike. You're always what? <laughs> you're always welcome with your opinion oh. or your knowledge, okay. actually. You bring a lot to the conversation. Well, uh, you might not like what i got to say about Putin, but uh, I'm sure I can find plenty of disagreement. Um, there's pictures, and I originally called, and I've got like a three-minute delay. So you pr- you provoked my call with the discussion on digital television. I'd like to turn back to that briefly. But uh, with Putin, um, there's pictures of him and Netanyahu laughing it up and chumming around. And this whole operation in Ukraine, to me, reeks of a leeching operation. There, the the uh, any of the loans that Israel has given to the Ukraine are guaranteed to be paid back. So, in effect, what's going on is any of the foreign aid and loan guarantees. You remember uh, uh, Biden doing exactly the same thing that Trump was being accused of. And he went over there, and uh, I guess there was a prosecutor that he wanted fired because they were investigating Hunter and uh the business dealings that Hunter was involved in. Uh, so, you know, he said, uh, you ain't going to get these loan guarantees unless you uh, fire this prosecutor. And uh, he goes, wait a minute, you're not the president. And uh, the, the I guess the, I can't remember the guy's name, the Jewish guy that's in charge of Ukraine. They, they basically, he said, yeah, son of a bitch. Then six hours, they fired that prosecutor. And they got their loan guarantees. Well, the thing is, loan guarantees to the United States don't necessarily have to be paid back. So all that money that's foreign aid to Ukraine is being funneled to Israel. Now, if you've got Putin, you know, uh, making deals with Israel, which just about everybody does in one way or another, then the whole thing could be a nice little pageant as a way to milk the West uh, of a whole bunch of money. Absolutely. And, of course, this the campaign all contributions, the all the foreign aid going back to Israel, what does it do? It re- it's like a revolving door. comes back as campaign contributions to those that support Israel, and the whole operation stays nice and quiet. But it just keeps siphoning off more money out of the West. Well, Israel has been called a counterfeit state for quite some time for a lot of good reasons. And, you know, you get a lot of criticism if you do any, if you say anything about it at all. But let's bring on Murr, because Murr might have something to add to sure. Israel. Murr, uh, are you still holding with us? Maybe she... Uh-oh. Uh, Murr in Wisconsin. Let's bring Murr in. Ah, there we go. I'm through the sonic <laughs> gate. Yeah. Hi, Murr. Hi. Yeah, well, I-, I wanted to respond here because of Dave <laughs> in San Francisco. <laughs> And he's ignoring the elephant, or should I say the leviathan in the room, 
wasn't about monarchy. Weimar, <laughs> Weimar Republic was run by Jews. <laughs> they <Yeah>. paid uh, <laughs> Germans 800 marks, and they paid themselves 10,000. Okay, so when Hitler came in, he made it fair. He didn't, you know, uh, he changed it all, actually. He made the money available to the people without well, debt. And that was Jews are very easy to demonize, were they not, because of the living memory that lived through the Bolshevik Revolution and how much uh, uh, of the people in that area were, uh, you know, starved out or killed by the Jewish uh, involvement in that. Yeah, so there's that. They're, they're, but, they're very oh, easy to demonize. Yeah. See, here's the thing with Dave in, in San Francisco, and I wanted to relate it back to last week's show about RBN being taken over by Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Because the books he was talking about, The Making of the Presidents, that series was written by Theodore Harold, uh, what was his last name, White. Oh, yes. But he was Jewish, okay? Or he's still Jewish. I don't see a death date for him. But So he left out everything about Jews. It wasn't about monarchy. Give me a break. (laughs) You know, both world wars, we know, were for the Jews. Get them to Palestine and... You know, after and the war reparations and everything, and and with Mussolini, even he was kind of an early example of what uh, earlier, you know, about twenty so years after World War One of getting Italy nationalized and uh, fair to the people. So he's demonized for that reason, and they strung him up very publicly. Okay. And well, the problem with the- Mussolini is that he responded so much to the oligarchs of his country. I mean, he was. The, the definition of fascism. And that's kind yeah. of what we're ro- rolling into now. Except, right. Well, a lot of people well. here still believe that we select a president by voting. Nope. And and fascism is not what you think it is, depending on who's using it and for what reason. <laughs> okay. So he was nationalizing. Okay. So right, it, right. it's just, I'm just saying, it's just a <laughs> total smear job in the Jews' direction. We're ignoring the Leviathan in the room. Hey, the uh, the war, if you invent a weapon, you have to come up with a war in order, order to be able to sell it. Now, the inventor of some high explosives, I think it might have been dynamite, I can't remember, was, was Jewish. Nobel. Yeah, yeah. No, Mr. Mm-hmm. the Nobel Prize. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, know what happened with him? He was, uh, he read a, a obituary and they mistakenly thought it was him. And it wasn't very complimentary, so that's why I started the Nobel Prize. But, yeah, it was a weapon. Dynamite was a weapon for war. Yeah. Yeah, so you had to have a war in order to be able to sell it. But <laughs> and, part, now, and, and, and part of the, the deal Nobel was Prize. that Brit- British, the British government, in order to get dynamite for their war effort, had to support the Balfour Declaration. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Manipulating the whole Nobel thing. Prize. It's used to make people think that the Jews are smart. They just got yeah. all they just got all Jews on the committee, and they vote their own own people in. Of course, that's how everything well, is. I just think like when uh, when Obama got the Nobel Peace Prize and then <laughs> commenced to invade several countries, that that myth has been dispelled. Nobody really believes much in the Nobel Prize. But hey, Murr, hang on a second. Let's bring on Tom because we're coming to the last fifteen minutes of the show, and I want to try to get as many callers as we can. We are having a Tom a uh, roundtable discussion, and you know, I, I, it's more about. 
I kind of liked the concept that David brought up about um, the uh, carpetbaggers going into these areas and oh, yeah. and and buying out and taking and taking what they've depressed in the first place. That's what they did with small business here in the United States. And All who of were these, these carpetbaggers? Well, well, the, yeah, we the know who people. the carpetbaggers are. <laughs> Since before Actually, 2014, when the current regime has been installed. The Jews have been talking about a right of return as Khazarians. They want that as another Jewish state. Yeah, and a Israel right of 2.0 is Ukraine, right? Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, we Tom were prevented. Utah. Oh, I'm sorry. Tom in Utah, <laughs> yeah. Come <laughs> yeah, on, Tom, Tom sorry. The wealth, the wealth of a nation is farming, forestry, manufacturing, and mining. That's the wealth of a nation. And they're all labor. Not a service nation. Has nothing Those to do with things. money. Labor is the only value, right? Well, Jefferson well, said a nation of independent farmers would be unconquerable. So you know, now you know why the industrialization of farming is the main plank of the Communist Manifesto. I bet Tom has a perspective on that. I think Disraeli back in 1861 said that uh, that slavery was nothing but the ownership of labor, and that they control labor by wages. I can't yeah, remember who said it, but all empires built on cheap labor. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. Tom in Utah, are you on the line holding for this? I'm I'm here, but it's hard to talk over um, the ladies and the men. Anyway, I can hear you, Tom. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, I was just going to add to the fact of the carpet bagging in the Katrina event. See, I was in 2009. I was asked to go down there to help them identify the cause of death in those FEMA trailers. Uh, now I call them the uh, Chinese uh, gas chambers. Oh, yeah, boy. But what's really curious, I've been dealing with that problem, and I've been to the D.C. in 2010, well, 2009, 10, and 11. And ultimately, I found out that those trailers were being brokered by guess who? Hillary Foundation. The Clinton Foundation. They were Wasn't there something, I talked to you about this before, Tom, wasn't there something with those construction materials coming out of China? They weren't being safety monitored, and they had all kinds of formaldehyde and junk coming out of them? They had two problems. They had formaldehyde in the building materials, but they also had a deliberate design so that the people would be breathing the fumes of their own furnace and water heaters and cook stoves. So they would be especially cookstoves and and carbon monoxide and sewer gas too, right? In two thousand and five, yeah. I caught a real deal on one of those wall mount propane heaters, and then almost immediately, I read about contaminated propane up in Ohio causing birth defects, and we had our first baby, and I was like, oh, I sold it. I sold the thing to an elderly couple still nude in the box. Hmm. Well, see, what was interesting is when I was there, I was actually invited down by. Uh, Jesse Finneran, who is a former sheriff, uh, a deputy in the, in that area, and I was taken around to all of these communities after I testified in a Senate hearing at the uh, Hilton or whatever it was, and condemned those units. Then I was brought for eight weeks period through these f- communities, and I was explaining to each of them why their babies were dying in those FEMA trailers. What was interesting was they were being left outside in in their you know in the mess of the the the, the hurricane. I'm talking about in 2009. When did the hurricane occur? 2005, correct? Yep. 
So they'd been living in shambles, in tents, whatever they could muster, pulling their houses together with whatever they could. While the altermen, the white altermen and the other politicians had been soaking away the money and repairing their buildings and then buying up the property of these other families that had settled that area after Lincoln when they were given their freedom and they went down and planned, had, say they developed the, the Delta, turned it into a beautiful garden, and then in return for that, when the hurricane destroyed their houses, they were being left in desolation and the rich were coming in and buying up the land and, like you say, a nickel on the dollar, five cent, two cents on the dollar, and that's the that's the curse of the carpet bagging. And well, also, weren't those I, FEMA trailers? Weren't they trying to farm those FEMA trailers out to uh, farm workers and uh, Native Americans in Oklahoma? If you go to the the reservations here in the West, you'll see those FEMA trailers. The Clinton Foundation, as I learned later, was pawning those trailers off. They would pawn them off even there, even though we had condemned them, that they'd get the brokering fee, and the Indians would pay for the delivery, but then the money for the trailer itself would be drafted out of the Treasury. So you and I got to pay for those trailers even though they were condemned. And then More they than were once. pawned off from the Native Americans, the poor white Americans, the Veterans Administration... And people in Haiti. We got didn't they buy, uh-huh. ended up paying for them twice? Uh huh. Yeah. Pretty good deal. Anyway, that's what that's what I wanted to add. I heard that David talking about that, so I said I gotta let people know that the Clinton Foundations were the major carpet baggers in that case. Hey, where's all the gold from the dang uh, Gaddafi Treasury? Platinum, gold, silver, where is all that? And where's all the surface-to-air missiles? We still don't know. <laughs> well, hey, Mike, you know, I always have believed that uh, that Benghazi was the location of uh, of Gaddafi's uh, gold that he was funding the, Northern, the North African Bank with. I think that guy that got drugged through the streets, uh, what was his name? Uh, no, 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 no. The 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 uh, embassy guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Christopher. Chris. Christopher Stevens. Steven. Yeah, Chris. I think he probably Stevens. knew too much. Supposedly, he was on the phone with Turkey trying to track down those lost uh, munitions, which were a lot of them were Russian, but there was a lot of NATO stuff. Uh, Jim and Joanne Moriarty. I think Jim uh, passed away recently, but. Uh, Joanne still has all the info on that. They yep. documented all the NATO weapons that were used in that um, massacres mm-hmm. of people, Black Hawk helicopters and all kinds of stuff that was brought in there. And so what did they do? They took all the gold back money and uh, set up a, 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 a toilet paper banker-controlled bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's kind of like what well, happened with COVID. As soon as they released the uh, agent COVID on the world, everybody panicked. They believed that they were being attacked. They put masks on. They took the vaccine, and they gave up their lives. And the I see the whole thing as a desperate operation to raise money for the Democratic National Committee. What kind of a cut of the take did they get? All of it. <laughs> I don't think they got <laughs> all of it. I, I think that there's two or three companies that got filthier rich than they were 
Uh, you know, the the goal is to take the take the land, take the properties. Yes, and, to, and what to they'll drive, do is and to they'll raise the, the property people. taxes. Right? Yeah, to deprive the people of all of their earnings, of everything they saved, and that's it was a real, it was a real two for one sale because Jim and John Mararty's companies that they were working with had developed some kind of an enzymatic process that opened back up uh, uh, formations that had production that fell off in the oil. So there was all kinds of places around the world that could have been adapted to. The Kuwaitis were ready to do some kind of a hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars contract with the, with them and when uh their uh, after they came out of uh after they came out of uh, Kuwait or I mean uh, uh Libya knowing too much all of their business dried up and drowned and they right had, they were living just north of Houston I remember the uh, I heard a lot of uh local yeah. media about that too that was that was really tragic but that's just what happens I mean it, without some kind of uh stabilized or or equal coverage of information we're going to be at a loss for it well it's that's like what COVID. I wanted to get at with digital television the digital television scheme was rigged from the beginning I found I talked to some engineers that were in public television and they were trying they were trying to convince public television to get off of the UHF spectrum way back in uh, uh I heard about it from a guy who went to a Christmas dinner after he retired but that whole system you you mentioned Sinclair broadcasting and they were so powerful that they could not get the digital TV format that they wanted uh the original digital TV format was a dog it was dead on arrival and um, it did not work for over a decade until it did not, it did not work until the, the military let go of a top secret digital transistorized comb filtering scheme until like 2008 or nine. And Sinclair Broadcasting, which everybody loves to talk about how many TV stations they have, the TV stations basically were uh, marginalized. For over a decade, they were losing audiences like crazy because of this format sucked so bad. And they continued to push to shut down local independent stations like the one that I worked for and trip them up on any kind of regulatory thing that they could uh, and increase fees to where they had to pay annual fees, whereas they used to only have to pay every five years or something to renew their licenses. So their, their cost of operation went up and up. They, they couldn't, you know, the business models, even for full power broadcast stations now, is being destroyed to where they're considered a secondary service. And uh, none of these stations really are independent anymore. And the new format that they're trying to roll out, the 3.0, is very dependent on a return signal feed. They want you to have some way for the television set to report home what you're watching either through your cell phone or internet so the old idea that you could sit out in your hunting cabin or somewhere and watch something on television and nobody knew what you were watching is gone it has to have a return feed so they can track all the inputs and outputs of all the human resources the format that sinclair broadcasting wanted to add using for that they wanted to put it was going to cost seven more dollars to put the tuner to adapt the tuner to what Sinclair Broadcasting would uh, have was wanting in 1998, they demonstrated before Congress that none of the stations that were broadcasting 
in Washington, D.C. could be received with the indoor antenna. But They've they, got about another know, minute, Mark. Okay, well, I'm just saying that, that, that the idea that Sinclair has all this power, their audience share for all the stations that they uh, have is way less than 50% of the over-the-air audience now, or the news audience. I just, it's, I've just got one more thing to say. Go ahead, Laura. As Biden says, give to the Democratic Party. We've never been so close to Armageddon. You know, I was sitting with a friend of mine this morning that received a message from Nancy Pelosi asking for a donation on his cell phone. I think that <laughs> he was, if anybody finds me on LinkedIn, Mike Williamson on LinkedIn, my article is called DOA, DT format was pushed on the U.S., the 8VSB versus CODFM battle. You can read more about it. Well, Thank hey, you. listen, does anybody have a last word? Because I think we're coming to the end of the show pretty soon. Yeah, Mer- I've got a last word right, just yeah. about Hilda Beast, okay? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I'm talking to uh, Ingrid last night and uh, Karen uh, Tostado and the listeners there on her show. Uh, Hilda Beast, uh, there are affidavits proving in de- great detail that she and others tortured and ate children. So it's not pedophilia, it's pedivore. Uh. Ugh. Oh, Panic Tom, and Tom, I mean in uh, some horrible, gruesome do, ways. Tom, do you have anything to say? I like well, the I like the I'll idea really about. Short, just, I'm sorry. Go ahead. To see more about the trailer issue and Katrina and that all that linkage I was referring to, go to Gassing America. Oh, go go to Tom in Utah dot us. Tom in Utah oh, we'll do US. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is uh, Captain Fred with the Fifth Dimension, Laura in Michigan, Mike in Kentucky, Murr, Wisconsin, Tom in Utah, and, and David in San Francisco. It's been a wonderful conversation today, and we'll join you again next week. This is Captain Fred, Fifth Dimension. We'll be back. Even while we sleep, we will find you acting on your best behavior. Here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we have been building our online store. While we have been focusing on bringing you the best talk show host in the country, here at Republic Broadcasting Network, we also want our listeners to have products they can use every day and in times of emergency. We have added new products each week to our store. Your support of this network, plus products at the best prices, is a win-win situation. Check out our new store. Go to our website, republicbroadcasting.org, and click on the online store located at the top of our website. Together, we can continue to grow RBN and help our listeners prepare for the future. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and click on our online store or call us. 800-724-2719, extension 3. 800-724-2719, extension 3. You can't handle the truth! You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.